It's good to have you with us this morning on this Resurrection Sunday and celebrate, celebrate with you the, the life that Jesus came to bring to us. How many of you know the Bible tells us that we have this life in abundance, that Jesus came to give us abundant life, amen? And so that's what we celebrate today. We celebrate it, as I said, every day. So thank you for being with us this morning. And those of you online, again, thank you for joining us uh, on this Easter Sunday morning. And uh, a lot of things that I want to share with you today. So let me just kind of jump right in. We uh, here at Joy teach in series a lot. And uh, I prefer to teach that way, three to six week series. Um, I believe that a series is kind of a moment where we take a, a, a segment of time and where God is, is trying to get something over to us. We kind of camp around a subject. And this year, probably, I don't know that we've ever quite done something or I've ever quite done something like this where we started in the month of January with a series that we called Here, H-E-R-E, and, and that uh, we spend a lot of our life trying to get there. We're trying to get somewhere else. We, we aren't satisfied with here, and I think part of that is a, is, is a part of the divine design that God has placed in us. We, we want to be there financially. We want to be there relationally, whether we're single and want to be married or we're married and we want a better married marriage. Uh, physically, we want to be there because we're not satisfied with how we have gotten here. Now we want to be here. All of the things that we think about there. And so we talked about here, and that here is holy ground. Here is where God meets, to, meets us. Here is the place that we hear from God that led to our second series, and then we finished a series last week that we called Up There, Down Here. Up there, hello, there we go. There is some music playing behind me. I think something is stuck on the keyboard maybe. Thank you. I was getting a little weirded out. I was like, <laughs> it's like, something went back in the tomb or coming out? I don't know. I mean, anyway, all right. And so anyway, we, we did this series, sorry. Uh, meanwhile, back at the sermon. Um, we did this series a couple of weeks on up there, down here. And the idea was, was really based on, on Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10, a part of the Lord's Prayer. Many of you are familiar with the Lord's Prayer. You've prayed it often. Jesus said one of the things that is important to us is that we would add this part to our prayer life every day or, or when we pray. And he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Basically, he was saying, I want you to pray that your life here, down here, reflects heaven. I want you to pray that the will of God and the way of God, the way that heaven operates up there, the way that the will of God operates up there would be in manifestation down here where we are. Up there, down here. Not here in a big, wide sense, but here where I am. Because where I am, the Bible says, God is with me. He, is, he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. So, so, so we're, we're, we're starting a series this morning that I'm calling The Kingdom is Here. Everybody say here. Here. The kingdom is here. Now, before I get into this, and I, I have to tell you this really quick story, try to skip a lot of the details. Pastor Tim and I, last year, or last summer, we went in together. We bought some land kind of about, it was kind of north and east of here. We bought some land together, got over to the land, and it was a really good deal. But anyway, we bought this land, and we got there, and it's like, man, this ground is, it's, we thought we were going to go clean it up. And it's like, it was so overgrown. And then we got in there, and there was some construction material. There's some lumber and some concrete. Not a lot, but, but more than what 
we could handle. I could have handled it a bit. Pastor Tim's a little older than me, so he couldn't have handled it quite as much. But anyway, so so I, I thought, you know what we're going to do? Let's let's just put an ad in in Marketplace. We'll put an ad a couple of places. Just try to hire some people that would be willing to. We'll pay them two hundred bucks a piece and for the day just to help clean up and stuff like that. So we put an ad. I got a bunch of names. Called a couple of them. Had three people that said, "Hey, I'll I'll, I'll clean up." And so Pastor Tim and I got those three guys. We went out to the land and we started cleaning it up. And, uh, and actually they started cleaning it up. Uh, we're good supervisors. And so, uh, and so we, we left and came back at, at, at about noon and, um, what's that? Yeah. Okay. About 11 o'clock. We came back at 11 o'clock and it was like, oh man, they, they haven't got very far. And so we're going to need some more help. So I had the list of names. I called a couple more people. I said, Hey, would you still want to work, you know, 200 bucks a piece? You want to, want to work for the, for the day, help us clean the land? I said, yep, we'll come out. So, so at noon we, we had no, well, well, that was 11 when we called them, but, but at noon they got there. So at noon, this is my story, Pastor Tim, you can tell it the right way. You can tell it the right way the next time. Anyway, so so at noon they come out, and so we've got six people working on the land. We go out there at about three o'clock, something like that, and and it's like, well, they've gotten a ways, but we still they need more help. And so I I called a, a few more people, and I got two more people that came out about three o'clock. So Pastor Tim and I went out there about six six thirty. And they'd done an amazing job. I mean, all of the, the, the brush was kind of all in one nice big pile. A lot of the construction stuff was in another pile. And so we started to pay the guys. The guys that were started at 3 o'clock gave them each 200 bucks a piece. And, and, and the other guys, the guys that started at, at, at 11 and, and 8 o'clock were kind of talking amongst themselves. It's like, well, they're getting $200. That's what we were supposed to get. And so we went to the guys at noon and gave the 11 o'clock or whatever time it was. <laughs> <laughs> we gave them $200 and the eight o'clock guys were like, wait a second, this, this doesn't seem right. And so I, I, Pastor Tim is really good at thinking on his feet, but I'm better. And, and, so, <laughs> and so I said, Pastor Tim, I gave him my money. I said, Pastor Tim, go, go, go to those guys at eight o'clock and, and give them their $200. Because I could tell that they didn't like it. It's like, this isn't fair. I mean, we've been working all day. They're, they're getting the same thing. And they only worked a couple hours. We worked all day long. That's kind of not fair. Now, you might wonder what that has to do with Easter Sunday. It really doesn't have a lot to do with Easter Sunday. I just wanted to tell you this story. And I'll, I'll come back to it in just a moment because it's kind of important and relevant how Pastor Tim got us out of this mess. But anyway, I, I want to talk to you a little bit. Say, say it again. The kingdom is here. It's here right here. And, and, and so Jesus came with a message of the kingdom of God. And, and kind of the way this all starts, and, and, and I want to give you a little bit of a backstory. In the book of Matthew, we are given the account, a guy by the name of John the Baptist. How many of you have ever heard of him? So John the Baptist was a forerunner. He was given the mission of, of, of preparing the way, preparing hearts and minds, because Jesus was about to step into, actually he was already here on the planet, but he was about to step into his ministry. And we read these words in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent. Everybody say, repent. Repent, repent for, notice this, the kingdom of heaven has come near. 
Now, other translations say it's at hand, it's here, it's, it's coming, all of those kinds of things. And then verse 3 says, this is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, he be, being John the Baptist, who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way uh, for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So he was to, in a sense, if you were going, it'd be kind of the illustration, if you were a farmer or a gardener and you started to break up the ground, that's, that's a little bit of, of what John the Baptist's mission was, but he was also a baptizer of people. And won't go into all of the details about what baptism is, but, but eventually, in chapter 3, Jesus is baptized by John in the River Jordan. And so he's baptized. He comes up out of the water. A dove lands on his head. They hear a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And at that moment, Jesus begins his public ministry. He begins to go out. And it, it, well, actually, right before that, in, in, in uh, Matthew chapter 4, we get the, the story where Jesus was uh, in the wilderness. He fasted for 40 days. Bible says afterwards he was hungry. It was like I imagine. And so one of the most obvious verses in the Bible. And, and, and it was at that point where he was hungry that the enemy came to tempt him. And he defeated. He said, no, it's written, it's written, it's written. And he defeated the devil. By it is written, the same way you and I defeat the devil. The devil shows up in your life when you're hungry. If you're hungry relationally, the devil will show up there. If you're hungry financially, the devil will show up there. The devil shows up in the places of our life that we're hungry, but the way we defeat him is through God's word. But then we read these verses in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17. Jesus begins his public ministry with this. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Never says he ended preaching. Didn't stop. He started here. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here. And I think Jesus partly was saying, you guys are looking for a human government. You guys are looking for a human kingdom. You guys are looking for me to be a king uh, uh, that, that is going to reestablish the glory of Israel. We're going to defeat the Roman kingdoms. And he says, no, God's kingdom is here. God's kingdom is at hand. And that was the message. Jesus was saying, I'm the fulfillment of that which John the Baptist was preaching about and talking about, that there's one coming. I'm the one. I am here now. Now, everybody say repent again. Repent. You forgot again. No. <laughs> the word repent, look at the person next to say repent. repent. How many of you know that the repent has kind of a negative connotation to it, doesn't it? Because in our, in our thinking, we have somebody screaming at us, repent, you sinners, right? right? Repent, or you'll go to hell. Now, that's true. We do need to repent of our sins. And if we don't, the Bible does say there is a hell that we don't really want to go to. <laughs> but there is a way of escape. Got quiet all of a sudden in here. A lot of people don't even believe that there is a hell. There is a hell. There is a heaven. There is a hell. This is not heaven and this earth is not hell. I like what one person said. If, if, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, this is as bad as it will ever get. It only gets better from here. If you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life, this is as good as it's ever going to get. It only gets worse from here. Eternity is all about location, location, location. Smoking section, non-smoking section. That's what it's about. And the way that you get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. That's why he died on Calvary's cross. So, 
Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let me ask you another question. How many of you have ever changed your mind? (laughs) Why is that so funny? Has anybody ever, like you were adamant about something, you, you were sure about something, and then you realized you were wrong and you changed your mind? Anybody? It's harder to admit that, but yeah, we've all done that, right? Guess what you just did? You repented. You repented. You changed. You were, you were thinking one direction, but you repented. Now you're thinking in another direction. Your life maybe was headed in one direction, but you repented. It means to turn. It means to change. You were going one way. Now you're going another way. And it's very interesting to me, the ground that we've covered over the last couple of months. But when he began his public ministry, Jesus began his public ministry with the words, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. It's now. The kingdom is here. So repent, turn, change. He begins to preach in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And in Matthew 5, one of the first things he talks about, we know them as the Beatitudes. May have ever heard of that? And, and Jesus goes through this list of things that he says, blessed. Now, if you've ever read those things, to me, that doesn't sound like a blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, I don't really want to be poor anywhere. I don't want to be poor financially, don't want to be poor physically, don't want to be poor mentally. I sure don't, I don't want to be poor spiritually. But he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I think what he was trying to help us understand is, is regardless, of, he didn't say poor financially, he was saying poor in spirit. And I think what he was saying is you might think that you don't have enough, but guess what? You do. Blessed are, and then he talks about blessed are the, the, the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are those that, that, that uh, uh, you know, are persecuted. It's like none of those things sound like a blessing. But here's what he was trying to get us, I think trying to get us to understand. He said, I want you to change how you think about these things. I want you to change how you think about some of the things that are going on in your natural life because you're looking at other people and you're wondering why they have so many good things. But I want you to change how you think about it because the kingdom is here now and you need to think differently and then and we we talked about this a couple of weeks ago Jesus said these things basically I said it like this you need to forget what you heard because he was talking to religious people who knew and understood the law and he said you've heard it said now I say to you I want you to repent, I want you to change, I want you to think differently. I think he was talking about the values that people have. You're valuing one thing, but you need to value something else. Your values have to change. He was talking about our traditions. He was talking about some of the ways that we approach God. And he said, you need to repent, you need to change from what you were thinking. Now the kingdom is here. And so the word repent means to turn. It means an about face, to turn from God's value system to your value systems. And then in Matthew 6, he says this, Matthew 6, 33, he says, put God's kingdom first. Everybody say first. First. What do we put first? God's kingdom. Well, that tells us something. Not only does God have a kingdom, there's at least, there's another kingdom that we need to think about, that we need to be aware of, that we need to understand. There's two, there's two kingdoms that we need to be aware of, or at least that the Bible tells us about. So he says, put God's kingdom first. Do what he wants you to do. You see, there is a proper conduct for the kingdom of God. And what I have to repent from, I have to turn from doing things my way and start doing things God's way. Because I'm in a different kingdom. Listen to this. 
In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. It says, he has rescued us. How many of you are glad that Jesus rescued you? He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. He's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. He's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. That's what the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus was all about. Adam and Eve. Jesus is called the second Adam. He's the second Adam because the first Adam messed it up in the garden. He sinned. He was a part of the kingdom of God. Actually, the garden of Eden was heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. And the moment that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they were separated, they were were removed from the garden. We call it the entrance of sin, the law of sin and death, the law of another kingdom began to rule. But now when Jesus came and he died on the cross, but then he rose again, conquering and defeating death and hell and the grave. And that opened up the door. Jesus became the doorway, but it opened up the door so that you and I could escape the kingdom of darkness and be delivered into, be as as Paul goes on to say, he's transferred us translated us, some translations say, I think it's like this, he beamed us up. I grew up, man, I watched, I watched Star Trek, the old Star Trek, the good Star Trek. I watched that one, I mean, every Friday night, I watched every episode more than once. Man, I, you know, live long and prosper. I was always trying to get my ears to grow. But anyway, <laughs> I liked it. And I, I always thought the whole beam me up thing was always pretty awesome. Have you ever noticed when you're watching Star Trek, it's like, like, you know, Chekhov and Spock and McCoy and Smith, come with me. You knew it was never going to turn out for Smith or Jones. Oh, those guys I know, but that's a new guy. I never see. Oh, he's going to die. You know, so anyway, <laughs> you never wanted to be the random guy to get beamed down to some planet because it never turned out well for that person. <laughs> he's rescued us from the sermon. No, he's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his, of his dear son. Notice who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. That's what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. Jesus purchased our freedom with his life. He took our sin upon himself so that we could become the righteousness of God, have right standing with God before the throne of God in the kingdom of God. I want to give you this definition. We're going to talk about it for the next several weeks. A kingdom is this. This is a definition of the kingdom. It is the governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting it with his personal will, his purpose and intent, producing a culture values, morals, and lifestyle that reflect the king's desire and nature for his citizens. Let me say that again. There's a mouthful. It is the governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting it with his personal will, purpose, and intent. It produces a culture, values, and morals, and lifestyle that reflect the king's desire and nature for his citizens. The word kingdom, Greek word and the Hebrew word, both kind of mean the same thing. We, we get the word basilica, or it's really basilia. And it, 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 it speaks of, actually, the word is used in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Genesis 1.26 says, uh, talking about God, let us make man in our image after our likeness, And let them have dominion. The word dominion, the word basilia, 
in the Hebrew. Same word, kingdom. So there's a dominion aspect. Now, I know that some of this is like, what, what do you, this is why we're going to talk about it for a few weeks, because we need to understand this. We need to approach, actually, Jesus said, you got to come to the kingdom of God like a child. That means you got to trust. <laughs> you have to trust. And so I believe this, that the church, when, when we understand this, this definition, the church is to be a reflection of the kingdom of God on the earth. You and I, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, are to be a reflection of the kingdom of God on the earth. When, when Jesus was preaching, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You've heard it said, but now I'm telling you. And then he gets over into John cha or Matthew chapter 7, and he starts talking about some of these other things. He says, you need to, you need to forgive those that persecute you. You need to love your enemies. You see, in the kingdom, in my kingdom, our kingdom operates by love. Now, you've heard it said eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, but I'm telling you something different. There's another way for you to live, and I want you to represent the king, and I want you to represent the kingdom of God. We are his ambassadors here on the earth, and so we are to be a reflection. We are to be the will of God on earth. We got some growing up to do, church, don't we? If you can't say amen, say oh me. <laughs> Luke chapter 4 verse 43 says this. He said to them, I must preach, notice this, the kingdom of God to other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. He said, my purpose, my reason, the reason I'm here is to preach the kingdom of God, to alert people to the kingdom of God that it is here. Now here's what, because we're all sitting here quiet because we kind of don't know what we're talking about to a certain extent. Jesus ran into the same thing. They, don't, they aren't getting what I'm talking about. And so Jesus began to speak in parables. A parable is a truth that is wrapped in a story. And he, and he would say things like, the kingdom of God is as if a man had two sons. And he would tell the story of the prodigal son. The kingdom of, of, of God is, is like a person that found a pearl and, and, and went and sold everything so that he could get it, so he could purchase it. The kingdom of God is like a man that had a hundred sheep. He would give stories to help us understand what the kingdom of God was. So he would tell stories. He would give us truth, but he would wrap it in a story. Which brings me back to Pastor Tim and I purchasing land. Now, I want you to know something. There was no land. There were no workers. And there was no cash. It's just a story that Pastor Brian came up with this week. <laughs> but, but how many of you would think this? If, if you were the person that worked at eight, started working at 8 o'clock in the morning... And you got to the end of the day and the guy that only worked two hours got the same amount that you got. How many of you say that's not fair? Anyone? Would we not be, I mean, we'd be, wait, ho, oh, whoa, wait just a minute. Or we'd be a little bit ticked off. Like, oh, I knew I shouldn't answer that ad. I got ripped off. I should have came later. Then I'd have gotten, you know, I should have, it's not fair. Now, if that's your reaction, if that's your reaction to the story that I told you, then that is your reaction to the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God's not fair. 
Listen to what, see, if that story sounded familiar, (laughs) it's because Jesus taught this story as a parable, helping us understand the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 1, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And then he tells the story, just kind of like I did, only I told it way better. No, Jesus told it way better. (laughs) And, And Jesus told the story better. But he got to the end and they were upset. And this is what Jesus' response was. Is it not, first of all, you all agreed to the price. Secondly, you agreed with me. And is it not the right of the landowner to determine what the value is, how much that person should be paid? Is, and, and you have to, that's right. We agreed to the price. It's up to the land, it's up to the person that owns the land. And he said, if you can understand that, then you can start to understand the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And I'm here to tell you, we should be thankful that the kingdom of heaven is not fair. Have you ever noticed that fair is subjective? Depending on which side of fair you're on. I mean, very few of us are going to complain, hey, that's no fair, I got the bigger piece. We only talk about fair when fair works against us. I mean, if I got the small piece, oh, oh, wait, whoa, wait just a minute. Man, years ago, this is before Jesus, <laughs> we would be doing stuff and then we'd order pizza. And honestly, I was eyeing it up. I was measuring. I'm like, all right, which pieces am I going to grab? And, and, and I would go for the small pieces first because I could eat them quicker so I could get to the big one. I'd grab a couple small pieces and I'd have like four or five pieces down. I mean, I, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. And we can be very subjective about fair. Likewise, we can be very subjective about grace. How many of you are thankful for the grace of God that God gave you what you didn't deserve, what you didn't work for, what you didn't earn? But, but, but what about when somebody else needs grace? Many times, we don't want to give somebody what they didn't work for, earn, or deserve. We want them, we, we want justice to be done. We want them to pay for what they've done. But you see, the values of the kingdom of heaven are different than the values here on earth. There was a, so, so, so the early church is birthed in power. We celebrate the, the day of Pentecost and, and uh, you know, there's revival happening. People are being born again. The message of Jesus is going out into all the world in Acts chapter 6. There's a food fight in the church. They're fighting over food because some of the people aren't getting the same. It's not fair. They're getting more than we're getting. And so the disciples are getting called all the time. Hey, Harriet got more than I did and Billy Bob got more than I did and it's not fair. And, and so the disciples are tired of answering all those questions. And so they appoint seven people and they say, you guys handle this. Figure it out. Tired of dealing with these knuckleheads. No, they didn't say any of that stuff again. Sorry. Probably far more righteous than me. <laughs> so... They, one of the gentlemen that they appointed was a guy by the name of Stephen. The Bible says that Stephen was a man who was full of the Holy Spirit, full of power, full of wisdom. And at the same time as the church is gaining in popularity and converts, people coming into this new way called Christianity, they're, they're, they're collecting a lot of people. The religious leaders are getting upset. Some of it is based on the message that, that the Jews, the religious leaders, killed Jesus, executed him, but he's alive now. 
And they were like, first of all, that's not really a popular message uh, to, to, you know, it's like we, you know, yeah, we kind of worked to kill him, but he was guilty and all these other things. So there was that, but also people were leaving Judaism. They were, they, they, there was a huge, man, just a, a following of people. And so they began to kind of figure out, how can we stop this? We, we, we need to stop this thing before it gets too big. Because if we let it go too long, it's going to just get uh, unmanageable. And then Rome's going to come in, they're going to do a whole bunch of stuff. So we got to figure out how to stop it. So they got some people together and they began to accuse Stephen of certain things. And the Bible tells us in, in, in Acts chapter 6 and verse 10, I love this, Acts 6.10 says this, it says they, uh, they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he, Stephen, spoke. They came, to, they came to test him, they came to argue with him, and Stephen was always able to refute him. So they ended up getting a bunch of people together, told a bunch of lies about him, and then they put him on trial, they dragged him out of the city, and basically, they crushed him with stones. They, they stoned him. They murdered him. And Stephen became the first martyr of the church. In Acts chapter 7 and verse six, 60, it says this. He knelt down. This is Stephen. He knelt down and he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. I'll pull up a stone and just... Man, he, one moment in this life, one moment in the next life. Following what Jesus said. The very next verse, Acts chapter 8 and verse 1 says this. Now Saul was consenting to his death. Saul is who we later find out is the apostle Paul. Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Verse 3. As for Saul... Again, the Apostle Paul, eventually. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. So here, here is Paul, or Saul, at this point, Saul was, was, man, he was the best of the best. If you could be a, he would be almost not quite Pope-like, but Cardinal-like in, in that particular, uh, in, in, Catholic, in Catholicism. Uh, uh, you know, he would be like a, a high bishop. And so, he was like the, he was well-known, powerful, both as, as it related to political power and religious power. He was the best of the best. He had the right name. He had the right religion. If anybody was going to go to heaven, it was Saul because he was righteous according to their standards. That's who he was. That's what he did. He was powerful. He had great zeal for the church. In fact, he, he even says that, I had great zeal in persecuting the church, but he gets an, has an encounter with Jesus. And at that point, he turns he repents. He realizes, I've been going the wrong way, been believing the wrong thing. Jesus, I believe in you. He writes this to, to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He said, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy. We talked about grace. Grace is, some people say, God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is when I get what I don't deserve. Mercy is when I don't get what I do deserve. There's a difference. Mercy is when I know I'm wrong. Mercy is when it's proven that I'm wrong. And I deserve judgment, but I don't get it. I escape it. That's mercy. 
So he said, I, I received mercy because I acted in ignorance and in uh, and, and unbelief. And so Paul becomes a great missionary. Some people say that he traveled 20,000 miles throughout that region. 20,000 miles. I mean, that's without a car, a train, a plane, a, uh, anything. He traveled 20,000 miles preaching the word of God, establishing churches. He too was eventually martyred for his faith. Now, you would think Stephen, yep, he gets in. You would think Paul, yep, he gets into heaven because of his life. Well, there's one more story that I think you need to hear. In Luke chapter 23, familiar scene on Golgotha, the place of the skull, three crosses. Verse 39 says, one of the criminals who were, who were hanged blasphemed him. This is Jesus saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we ind indeed justly. In other words, he's saying, Do you not understand that you and I, we're guilty? We're guilty. We deserve the punishment that we're getting right now. We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Saying, hey, you and I, we deserve this, but this guy hasn't done anything wrong. It's obvious. Everything against, everything they've said, they're all a bunch of, uh, of lies. And, and, and I think that this thief was like, this is the last chance I've got. And I think it's, well, let me read verse 42. And then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, there's, there's perhaps some of us that'd be like, really? I mean, at this point, you're gonna wait until the very last second? And, and now you're gonna ask for forgiveness? Now you're gonna ask for, for his mercy? Now you're gonna ask for his grace? And I think this guy literally was sort of throwing up a Hail Mary, kind of like, you know, maybe anything, is there a way? Is there any other way that, that, that perhaps I can get in, that, that something can happen? But this guy, he didn't have the opportunity. He couldn't say, I'm gonna try harder next time, Lord. He couldn't get off the cross, go do a whole bunch of good deeds. He couldn't act right. He couldn't live right. He couldn't go give something. He couldn't, he couldn't come to church. He couldn't do all the things that we sometimes think that we have to do to get right with God. The only thing that he had, the only hope that he had is that there would be grace and mercy available for him because he had nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. Verse 43. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. I find that so amazing. Here's this guy. He understood that he was guilty. He understood that he deserved the punishment that he was getting. He understood that he deserved death. And yet Jesus, I mean, if there's anybody who was righteous... In everything that he did, he perfectly pleased the Father, lived his life sinless, spotless. And Jesus said, you get the same thing I get. You get to go where I get to go. Now you might think that's not fair. That's not fair. Because many of you thought, I have to do good things to get the kingdom of God. Now, there is a standard. There are things that we do in the kingdom of God or things we don't do in the kingdom of God. There's a standard. We'll talk about that in 
the weeks to come. But you see, the kingdom of God, and this is what you need to understand, the kingdom of God operates different than the kingdom of this earth or our mindsets or what we think. The kingdom of God is not fair on our terms. It is fair on God's terms. The kingdom of God is fair the way God calls it fair. And in the kingdom of God, everybody is invited. Everybody, regardless and perhaps you grew up in a religion that, that, you know, a lot of guilt and shame and all those other things. And you think, well, I got to quit doing this and start doing that. And after I clean this up, if you could have done that, you would have already done it. It's the reason you need a savior. It, it, it's a reason that you need your nature changed. Everybody is invited and everybody gets in the same way. Everybody. Doesn't matter what you've done. Bible tells us if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, if we confess with our mouth that he is Lord, then we will be saved. There's no other name given among men whereby we might be saved, but at that name, Jesus. And it's at that name, Jesus, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. And the best news is that everybody can meet the same requirements. kingdom of God, I've I've said this so often, Christianity is simple, just not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. The good news is that Jesus died for us, and we can receive that forgiveness. We can receive that life. It, it, It is available to us right now, and it is by faith that we receive that gift of life. That's the good news, and we receive that life, but The bad news, if there's bad news, is that after that, then we get to die. Die to ourself, die to our way, die to our feeling, we die to those. That's the hard part of Christianity. The easy part's receiving him. John 3, 16, you're familiar with that? For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And that very next verse, God did not send his son into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. When you hear condemnation, when you hear those kinds of things that some people want to throw out there, again, there is a standard that, that God asks us to live up to. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's never with condemnation. It's because he has our best interest at heart. He knows the things that will bring peace and life and joy into our life. So with your heads bowed, with your eyes closed this morning, would you please give the Lord a moment today? Hallelujah. Father, thank you for this unfair grace. Thank you for this unfair mercy. Father, I pray for these that are here in the room. I pray for these that are, are, are online this morning. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would speak to them. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have made the way available for every single person, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. It does not matter our past. It does not matter what's going on right now. It doesn't matter where we've been. I thank you, Father. The only thing that matters is a blood-stained cross and an empty tomb. I thank you that you've made the way open and accessible for everybody. And so with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never taken that first step of faith, it is as simple as you 
praying a prayer. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Brian, I've never made Jesus my Savior, but I want to today. Would you just hold your hand up just real high? I want to lead you in a very simple, simple prayer. Anyone at all, just hold your hand up really high. I can see it. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Yes, thank you. Anyone else this morning? Come on. I know there's a couple more. Hallelujah. Take that first step. Do not be afraid. Hallelujah. It will open up the door to a whole bunch of good stuff. Anyone else this morning? Yes, sir. Thank you. Hallelujah. Tired of the way I've been going? I need a change. Need a new start. That's you. Just hold your hand up. Praise God. Would you all pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. I thank you for unfair grace. I don't deserve it, but I humble myself. I ask you, forgive my sin. Cleanse my life. Make me brand new. I confess today, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. That you rose again. I confess to you today. And I call you my savior. I depend upon you. And I trust you. In Jesus name. Now Father I thank you for these men and women that have prayed this prayer. I thank you Father that you are doing a miracle on the inside of them. That you're taking what is old. What is dead. And you're, trans, you're, you're bringing life into their spirits. I thank you that you're taking them out of the kingdom of darkness. And placing them into the kingdom of your son. And Father I thank you that from this day forward their life will be different. Father we believe that from this day forward there's a new life on the inside of them. That will help to guide them. That will help to lead them. That will help to alert them. And so Father I thank you that you've begun a good work in them and you will complete that work in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said amen amen amen. well thank you Joy Christian Center God bless you thank you for being with us this morning amen give Jesus one more praise and you may be dismissed God bless you